Hello and welcome to another episode of The Legal Breakdown. Today I'm going to talk to you about cohabitation agreements. Now, lots of people probably have heard of them, but don't know where they stand. Now, I'm just going to talk to you about the key points. I'm not going to talk to you about the differences between civil marriages, marriages, etc, etc. So, the only reason I've decided to do this podcast is the other week, Martin Lewis, obviously as you know, the money-saving expert, sends out a weekly newsletter and he was talking about wills, powers of attorney and cohabitation agreements. Now I used to do a lot of these in sales transactions for high net worth individuals, mainly for their children when they were buying a property and they had their girlfriend either living with them or going over there occasionally and they wanted their income to be protected. And since then I haven't done any quite recently um, and no one's asked me to do any I think because they're not really heard of and many people don't think their asset is at risk if they are buying the property in their own single name. I do try and make that clear that they should have them in my reports and title sometimes and in joint tenants or tenants in common if they were buying it together depending on how they want to do it. But I think they're very important documents to have and they are certainly worth their money and can save a lot in the future. I have friends that have had issues when they've been living in a property and their partner has decided to leave and they've ended up being sued or asked for compensation for their interest in the property. Now it gets complicated obviously if a partner has put money in the property however that can be added to the cohabitation agreement to make it clear that if they've put any money towards the property that's all the money they get out subject to the increase in property value maybe and they may have a tenants in common interest in the property if that's how it's been registered at the land registry. But anyway, let's go specifically to the cohabitation agreement. If you live with your partner or you're planning on living together, um, you can enter into a cohabitation agreement. This can set out the ownership of existing assets, including property, what your financial responsibilities will be towards each other, savings individually, jointly owned assets will be distributed should you later split up. So it's very, it's not a pre-nuptial agreement or a post-nuptial agreement but it's a kind of equivalent for non-married couples, let's just say, in its simplest terms. More and more couples now choose to live together before they get married or enter into civil partnerships or choose never to make their relationship legally binding. Cohabitation does not entitle you to the same legal rights as marriage or civil partnership as it does not bind you together in the eyes of the law. For couples who live together though, or have shared assets, this can lead to an issue and uncertainty upon separation. In reality, you have no express legal rights in a relationship if you are not married or civil partner except in respect of jointly owned assets. What can cohabitation agreements cover? So a simple list are property, deposits on your home as I mentioned earlier, share of the mortgage or rent payments, household bills, bank accounts and money, life insurance pensions, assets such as cars, furniture, other property, jewellery, etc, payments of debt, pets, next of kin rights, Pension access, property title deeds and wills should also be considered all at the same time because the will will not directly give the other anything if you say it's subject to marriage. You would have to specifically put their name in and then you could obviously make it subject to marriage and if you did not get married then they would not be entitled to anything in your will. That's a totally different discussion but if you would like to have that obviously please get in contact with me on 01548 434 009 or joshua at alliancelegal.uk. 
In a cohabitation agreement, you should include the property owned before moving in together um, and what should be kept separate to prevent the other partner from having a claim over it, property brought while living together, and what percentage of claims should be allowed depending on the income or contribution put. Inheritance and will, it's reported to member that you're not married so you have no rights automatically. If you want to leave anything to your partner, you will need to draw up a will and keep it updated. Independent legal advice when any of these agreements are drawn up. And if I was drawing it up for you, I would ask the other party to get independent legal advice to make sure they understand what their obligations are and what rights they are giving up and to communicate with them. And I would have a fully open and discussion with this. I would also say that, that and I would do the same with pre-nups and post-nuptial agreements, I would also say a lot of people see these as a prerequisite to your no divorces happening. Sorry, in a postnuptial or prenuptial agreement, many couples avoid doing them because they see it as a prerequisite that divorce is going to happen. That's not the case. It's just I think it's important, even with a cohabitation agreement, it's not like you're going to split up. It's just you want to know what will happen if you do. And I think it's important because depending on how you split up, it could be amicable and then all's great. It could not be amicable. You just don't know what's going to happen in the future. And from personal experience, I was asked to do a prenuptial agreement at one point in a relationship that I had. It didn't go through to marriage. I think luckily on my part. But anyway, that's beside the point. But um, it was an interesting conversation and it was out of the blue really because it wasn't a prenuptial directly with the person I was with it was about saving the family's money in the longer term but it's just the view and yeah that did kind of change my perceptions towards people but that was on me but I was rightly so um, but it's definitely a conversation to have and what I would suggest is don't look at it as if you're going to be splitting up. Don't look at it you're going to be divorced. It's just protecting both of you. If the worst was to happen and you really did have that unamicable split and it all turned, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to be with you, you're an awful person type finish. So make sure you think about it. And why should you have the cohabitation agreement? Let's just clearly outline why. Understanding of what your financial commitments are. Avoid misunderstanding regarding your rights, responsibilities as you continue to live together, in particular with regards to your ownership of the property. So it also creates a contract between both of you to understand your rights and responsibilities of how you should be looking after each other and supporting each other, particularly around the property. Okay, you should know that already, but some people just prefer to have it in writing to fall back on. And one of you may be more wealthy than the other, and it's sometimes their protection or vice versa, you know? So I wouldn't necessarily see it as a bad thing and it's just a way to protect yourself going forward, both people. So don't look at it as one's trying to control the other. Avoid difficulties and disagreements if you split up, like I was just talking about. Have clear evidence of your intention should you have to go to court. Again, it creates a contract between you both and the court doesn't have to follow it, but it clearly shows what you both agreed. Also, you need to be careful, the longer you live together, the less enforceable this agreement may become. Same with a post and prenuptial agreement. So definitely think about upgrading it or updating it on a regular basis if assets change or properties change, just so you know. What does it protect? So let's just go over the last few bits on doing this. So 
Let's have a look. What does it protect? It can protect either or both of you in the event of a relationship breakdown. It operates similar way to a prenuptial agreement and postnuptial. Um, it can clear how the pre-owned assets are to be shared and any assets in the sole name moving forward. It can make it clear both parties in the contribution towards utility bills by one partner may not be entitled them to share of the property itself if you should break up. So many times I put in that if one person owns the property, I specifically get advised that if they contribute towards bills, etc., they do not have a right to the property. It also protects the economically weaker partner. For the example, if you're a partner who has been given up your job to care for children and the family home is owned, if your partner's sole name, your contributions in looking after the home and raising the children would be recognised as equal contributions if you were married or in a civil partnership. If you're unmarried or civil partner, uh, unmarried, you do not have the same rights, so it can help you if you could be left with nothing even if your partner's financially supported you. As a co-opity, if you own a property jointly, the starting point is then divided 50-50 on separation as joint tenants, even when one party contributes much more to the purchase unless you make a written agreement to declare different shares, such as a tenancy in common, as I mentioned earlier. This can be an exception to this, and you should take legal advice. To make sure your joint intentions on setting up a home together are enforceable and will provide the protection you each seek, a cohabitation agreement is absolutely vital and worth a few hundred pounds of setting it up. The rights that you have are you have a legal document setting out what you hoped and the issues at the outset of what should be happening and avoid expensive litigation and as long as it provides an accurate reflection of your intentions of both parties living together and can be viewed and amended periodically by consent as I say the longer you live together and things change the less enforceable the cohabitation agreement can have so make sure you renew this on a regular basis. It is legally binding because it's a legal and document enforceable by the courts, providing that you've both been honest about your finance and each obtained separate, independent legal advice. And that's the imperative. Separate, independent legal advice is a must to be able to go ahead with this. Our highly experienced lawyers can help you and legal consultants can help you going forward, setting up your home together. Does the cohabitation agreement have to be signed before you complete on the property? You should both enter into agreement freely and voluntarily. The agreement should be set out in the form of a deed. Each of you must sign the document. You must keep the agreement up to date with any major life changes. I'm just repeating these points as they're very important. Update, 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 update. You must update this agreement so it creates legally binding agreement going forward and no less agreement going forward as things change. How much does a cohabitation agreement cost? Depending on the complexities involved and the advice you will need, the cost will roughly be 650 to 1500 pounds plus VAT, depending on the complexity. Um, it will be a lot cheaper than battling out later disputes in court. However, I would say costs could be much cheaper if you get the same lawyer, if they're prepared to do it, doing your housing transaction, to write that up for you. So just think about that. I normally add about two to three hundred pounds on top of a housing transaction to cover such agreement, but it really does depend on the complexities. If you want a separate agreement, obviously that's no problem at all. Feel free to give me a call 01548434009 or joshua at alliancelegal.uk. What does an agreement look like? It sets up each partner's rights regarding property and the means that both are clearly about who owns your assets and how your bills will be paid. Can you legally draw up your own cohabitation agreement? The answer is yes, you can get templates online, but they should be specifically tailored to the case that you need and they may miss things.
You also want the agreement to be upheld in port court, so it's independent. It's important that both of you get independent legal advice, so there is no doubt that you were coerced into anything of signing. That will include a certificate signed by a solicitor to say, I have given this person independent legal advice and that you are fully understanding of the agreement. So if it does go to court, they can go back to the solicitor that signed that certificate, if they need to, to double check that certificate was done legally on both parties and to show that it wasn't coerced if the other person says they were coerced in signing it, it gives you protection. If you decide to separate when living together for an extended period of time, the cohabitation agreement can save a huge amount of time and money. Without an agreement, it is a dispute around who owns an asset of their share. It could result in court proceedings and both lengthy and costly. If you are unsuccessful in the dispute, you may be required to pay the legal costs of the winning party also. So, from all of that, I hope you can see a cohabitation agreement is important, important, important to have, along with up-to-date wills, powers of attorney, living wills, just make sure all your matters personally are set up, not just focusing on the excitement of owning your first home, either together or separately, or in sole names. Cohabitation agreement protects everyone involved from any dispute if it does not end amicably. Hopefully it will never end, but don't see this as a means to an end in terms of you're signing this, it's the end of our relationship, we don't trust each other. See this as protection for both of you, because you're both maybe economically different, even if you're the same, you still want to protect each other's assets so one doesn't benefit from the other. Trust is there, it's just you now have trust in each other, because you're trusting each other to be declaring each other's assets and signing this agreement to make it legally binding. That should actually show you that you trust each other more, that you're prepared to be open with each other. So look at it from that perspective, pre-nuptial agreements, post-nuptial agreements, anything like that, please feel free to give me a call, joshua at alliancelegal.uk, 01548 Thank you for listening to another podcast of The Legal Breakdown, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been really useful, and I hope you've learned things from it. I look forward to you listening to more and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.